you know, how, how I was telling several people yesterday about you guys and how awesome y'all are and just, um, you know, working with our, um, with our issues sometimes, with my issues, brother, right, brother Tommy, amen, nope, man. all right, you're supposed to not let do that one. Um, but seriously, I, we, we're very appreciative um, of you guys and, and thank y'all for working with us today. Um, it's just not working, so I, if you're taking notes, I'll try to, I'll try to go slower. Um, for that, so um, you guys are y'all familiar with the temptations? All right, John's like, yes, sir. The temptations, right? Um, how about their uh, their song, "Ain't Too Proud to Beg"? All right, okay, good song. Good song. I'm not gonna sing it. All right, so keep the people who are here today <laughs> with us. Amen. All right. Um, so get a little bit of background about about them. So um, that song was written. Uh, well, normally it was Smokey Robinson. Some of y'all remember Smokey Robinson was, was the writer for them, was the main writer for them for a while. Um, what happened was the song Ain't Too Proud to Beg was written by Norman Whitfield and H Eddie Holland. And they were part of, a, of a, I guess, a, a pretty popular uh, or, or famous writing group called Holland, Dover Holland. And, um, and, and they wrote that song, but Smokey Robinson wanted to release Get Ready, okay, um, and they did, he did, but Norman Whitfield didn't like that. He wanted to release Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Well, Get Ready wasn't as popular, wasn't as big of a hit as, as um, they thought it would be, as Smokey Robinson thought it would be. And so from that point on, uh, Whitfield became the, the main producer and writer for The Temptations. So a little bit of background. Uh, and, and I say that uh, it was very popular. That song was very popular in the Vietnam War. Um, for the soldiers, they, they, they important to research there, um, and that same producer Whitfield, um, he well, the idea of begging showed up in the Four Top song. So, so we're just kind of in the '60s here, right? The, the late '60s, looking at some songs there. But baby, I need your loving. Got to have all your loving. No, that's that's enough, right? No more singing. Okay, um, but um, he, there's a part in there where he says, "Some say it's a sign of weakness." For a man to beg, then weak I'd rather be if it means having you to keep. All right, and so that's part of the song. So, so kind of what's what's the point, brother Patrick? Because yeah, you know, I want to give that intro rather than a joke about begging, because I, I just didn't. I just don't know. That's I don't think that's a, a, a thing to laugh about. You know, I, I just I, I, I don't think that's an appropriate uh, thing to to make a joke about. But I do want to make the make the comment. Like, it's really hard to know if people are really, the, the beggars that we see sometimes on the street, if they're really in need or not, right? It's really hard. So, as, as you know, as Christians, uh, you know, it's a side sermon, you know, just you discernment there, you know, pray, and that God leads you, you know. Um, but there are schemes. I, I, I think of my, my friend Scott, who uh, is one of the few people I know listen to my sermons. Uh, and so, Scott, you'll hear this, but Scott knew of a scam in Gainesville when he worked at, a, at a, a restaurant in Gainesville. He said it was this group of people, and they were scamming like crazy. They were, they were posing as beggars, and they were uh, making a, a lot of money. And so that, that's, that's, that's sad. I, I remember seeing some in Lake City a while back, and but then... You saw them meet. You saw these two people meet, and they're like exchanging stuff with each other, you know. And I'm like, what? What are they doing? You know. So the point is, on that, we, we don't really know for sure. Um, I've never been in that situation, so I don't honestly know. And then, if we're still talking about begging, some of y'all are probably wondering right now, or wondering the time, the four years I've been here, did did you have to beg Sally 
uh, to, to, uh, for her to marry uh, uh, me? And I, uh, almost, okay, is the answer to that question. Um, but the idea of begging, see, again, um, we, we're not real sure there if, if, uh, things are, if people are sincere or not when it comes to begging. And so the, the definition of it is to ask earnestly and humbly for something. To ask earnestly and humbly for something. So I, I, for, I forgot to forget that it's not back there. Um, uh, but today's central statement is as follows. In this passage today, if you recall, we skipped it last week, so we're back to it. Okay, so I should have said that earlier, so my apologies. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Okay, so the first 20 verses of Mark 5. That's where we are today. Okay, so... Mark chapter 5, and here's the simple statement, that in this passage today, evil spirits beg Jesus, okay? the people beg Jesus to leave, and the healed man beg Jesus to stay. Okay, So again, in this passage today, verse 20 verses of Mark chapter 5, evil spirits beg Jesus. Number two, the people beg Jesus to leave. And number three, the healed man beg Jesus to stay, or beg to stay with Jesus. So at the beginning of each new point, I'm going to ask the question, why? Okay, so let's get into it. Okay, so if you have, it's not going to be on the screen today. Uh, so just kind of stay with me. First 10 verses, so if you'll read it with me while I read it out loud, that will be awesome. Mark chapter 5, first 10 verses. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. So they had just left, they just crossed the, uh, crossed the sea there. Um, and and we, we had the Jesus calming the storm, okay? So just kind of go back on that. He, he, was, he was asleep. I right? remember that message from a, week, a few weeks back. Um, and then he calmed the storm. So then they get over, okay? He told them he was going to make it over. He told them that, okay? And, and we're going to go over there. So they met. Uh, so again, as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. All right, remember that. Remember that I said a man. Okay, number three. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain. Listen to this. Because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. Okay? No one was strong enough to subdue him. All right, that's not Mr. John. I'm just, I said, right? No one, no one could subdue him. All right, all right. That was, that was a pump you up. He said, like, I don't know, Brother Pastor. All right, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Okay? When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him, and he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion. He answered him, Because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. So there's actually two things that the evil spirits beg. Number one, they just evil spirits beg to not be removed from the man, okay? That's the first one. That's what we see here, and then we're going to look at the next three verses in a few moments. But question, why? First off, why would Jesus even go to this place? I mean, it was just storming like crazy, you know, just a big old awful storm, um, and he decides to go to this quote-unquote unclean place. I mean, why? I, I don't know. Well, the, obviously, the ways of God are much higher than our ways, amen, and he ultimately knows much better than we do. Uh, and see, and that kind of little side sermon here, sometimes God might ask us to do something that doesn't make sense to us. Really, God? You want me to do that? Why? Um, the question is, do we obey him 
or not. And that's kind of a side sermon. That was a free one, Miss Jan. You can have that one free, okay? Uh, it was my 50th birthday free, free side sermon. All right. Um, you know, man, I wish all your sermons were that short. I'm just waiting. All right. All right. And notice in verse 2. Now, Lord, for whatever reason, and, and you know, y'all know that it preaches to me before it preaches to you guys, okay, as I prepared the sermon. And for whatever reason, in verse 2, right after the comma, it hit me, okay? It says, as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. But what's the point? This is a man. In spite of his miserable, awful condition, he was still a person. He's still a man. He is flesh and blood, even though he had incredible Hulk-like strength and maybe Ozzy Osbourne, if I'm dating myself on some you know, craziness, all right? Even though he hurt himself and disturbed other people and cried out, he was still a man. Amen? He's still a man. See, until we see others, I'm speaking to myself, until we see others as flesh and blood humans in need of a Savior, until we look past their sinfulness and ugliness, we will never be effective at spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Until we see them, other humans, as human. You see, we have, you know, in America, we've got to categorize, right? And we, we, we oh, and even in high school, you know, you got your geeks and your, and, your, and, your, uh, and your athletic ones and all this, right? And even then, it's like we start to the early age doing that. But rather than categorizing people and thinking they're not worthy, we need to realize they're still, they're still people. Amen? Right? And I hope that speaks to you as much as it did, uh, did to me. And, I, and I'm, when I think about that, I think about the story that I have no idea if it's a legend or if, it's a, if it really, really happened. But uh, even if it didn't happen, I could see where it might have in some of my experiences with, with people that uh, call themselves Christians. And that's the, the, the story of uh, an old deacon at a, at a revival. And um, they, they gave the altar call. And they said, you know, if you want to come, come down. And, you know, just like we have an altar call every Sunday. You know, and, and give your life to Christ to, to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And I'm going to ask for adults to come and be, you know, be here and receive people. They do that at camp a lot, too, because there's so many kids. They ask the adults to kind of come up and come out on the side, and so students can go to their adult, right? And so picture that. And, and the story goes that this, this, this older man was, way, was up here, and a guy comes down straight to the old man. And instead of the old man receiving him and, and, and being excited, he says, well, the first thing you need to do is, is cut your hair. Right, because he had long hair. Cut your hair, get your hair short, and then you come back and talk to me. You know what an awful thing. Okay, and again, I don't know if that's if that actually happened or not, but I've seen similar things. You know, which is a, a shame. See, on another note, by the way, be careful. On the opposite side of that, we look at this man. Yes, he was a man, but he was possessed by evil spirits. Um, and sin is enjoyable for a time. It's enjoyable for a time. It is. But it wants to conquer you. Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Or you can just, I'll read it to you if you want to go to it. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a what? Like a lion, like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Not, not anyone he can just nibble on. Right? I know it's funny, right? you know, the, the idea. But a lion doesn't just eat a hand or a foot, Right? I mean, we, we, we look at it and we, we see it and we just keep reading, but, you know, this spoke to me as well. A lion just doesn't nibble on a little bit of a toe or something. He, he wants the whole thing. Yeah, he wants the whole thing. See, as the ESV study writer, Bible writer said, the goal of demons is to destroy the person created in the image of God. 
This guy was in danger to himself and to others. The sin isolates yourself, but can also cause others grief. Amen? I said That's the truth. That'll preach as well. See, there are consequences to sin. There's forgiveness, right, Brother Tommy? There's forgiveness in Jesus Christ, but there's still consequences. There's still consequences that, that are there. So, so what happens? What happens next? Well, we see in verse 7 that this man ran and knelt down before Jesus. Now, pause for a moment. When we read that, we're thinking, okay, well, he was worshiping Jesus? Not necessarily, okay? Not necessarily. It, it was more uh, a sign of, of, of respect, but not worship, okay? It was a sign of respect. Uh, as Carson, D.A. Carson says, the demon shows respect, listen, because he recognized that he is con confronted with one greatly superior to him. Now hear that? See, he, he shows respect because he recognized that he is confronted with one greatly superior to him. That's Jesus Christ. Amen? See, in addition to the fact that, okay, the fact that the man said the name Jesus, I don't know if y'all remember us talking about this as we went, as we went through Mark. Okay, some of y'all, be if you do, I'll be proud of you. Okay, you get an A today, all right, if you remember this. But uh, we talked about this before, about demon possession. The fact that the, during that time, the fact that the man said the name Jesus indicated what I mentioned several weeks ago whenever we were looking at another time where Jesus cleansed someone of a demon. And that is the popular belief or superstition of that time was that you could gain power over another if you said their name. So the, the de so they're, they're trying to establish their authority over Jesus, okay? It was, it was trying, it, it was uh, like according to Gusick, this was like a round of artillery fired at Jesus. Y'all like war movies? Like, you know, it was, a, it was a, a round of artillery fired at Jesus. And then in verse 9, we read that this, his name is what? Do y'all see the name? It starts with L. Legion. Is that important? You bet it is, okay? It, it's a legion at that time is a Roman army of 5,600 men. A legion of the Roman army was 5,600 men. Now, that does not mean necessarily that, that was exactly 5,600 demons in them. It just means there was a whole lot. Okay? A whole bunch. A whole bunch. Uh, there were many, and they were unified. Okay? They were unified. Uh, have you ever heard uh, anyone say in response to a challenge, you know, like, they're going to fight me, Jimmy, or you want to be ready to go? Wait, wait, who's going who's to beat me? You and what army? Right? So that's kind of the idea here. Like they're like, ready to go. We're unified. All right? They're, that's what the, the legion, that, this person is saying, basically saying, bring it on. Jesus, bring it on. We're ready. Okay? There's a bunch of us. We're strong. We're unified. We're ready to rock and roll and roll. Okay? So that's what they're saying. Now, it may have appeared to onlook, onlookers there that the legion, the person, that the demons had the upper hand. But Jesus easily cast the spirits out of the man. Amen. See, as James Edwards says, when demoniac meets divine, it's a no contest event. Okay? It's the Gators versus Seminoles. Just plain. Just plain. All right. Sorry, babe. She's like, don't do that. All right. The Number Gators are the demoniacs. Okay, there you go. I'll, I'll give that to you because I shouldn't have said that. All right. The, ne the, the next thing, the next way, way that the evil spirits beg in this, in this section, okay, is to be sent to the pits. All right. Look at the next three verses. All right. Verse 11. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us, again, begged them. See the begging, okay? Send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. Now, this is a, this is a scripture that's not, that's not popular 
uh, these days in our politically correct world, right? right? Jimmy, it, it's, oh, I can't believe. What about the pigs? You know, all right. You know, some, some may read this passage. They're like, oh, gosh, that's terrible. Um, and, you know, where everyone gets a participation trophy. And, they, you know, we can't, can't hurt anybody's feelings, right, Miss Jan? Okay. The, the, the simple fact is this was an ancient time, ancient time, okay, a long time ago, and this was in a Gentile region. Right, Gentile region. Uh, pigs were considered unclean to Jews. This is a Gentile region, you know. And so uh, we don't we don't know whether or not the owners of these pigs were Jewish or not. I've read I've read different research on that. Okay, uh, some will say they were, some will say they weren't. I'm not real sure that it tells us. I I tend to believe that they weren't. All right, um, uh, they could have been. Don't really know. And when Mark wrote this, okay, it would have been the same feeling. The pigs were unclean. Okay, so it's perfectly acceptable for unclean spirits to be cast into unclean animals. All right. Okay, do we, do we have the politically correct side? All right, don't mean, you know, yeah, be careful. But again, that's not the point. See, we, that's, that'll preach too, amen? See, that's not the point, right? By the time, the point's not about the pigs. The point's not about the pigs. Some people read it, oh, those, those pigs. That's not the point because Jesus was making a point. Jesus was making a point. Okay, see, as D.A. Carson said, can say it much better than me, he said Jesus wanted to give, listen, tangible evidence to the man and to the people who were watching that the demons had actually left that man and that their purpose had been to destroy him even as they destroyed the pigs. See, it's an object lesson, right, Brother Tommy? Right? It, listen, everybody, look. The demons is no longer in the pig, in, in the man. They went to the pigs. They left the man. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Jesus heals Removed them, and they went to the pigs, and they destroyed the pigs. So it was proof that yes, demons were out to destroy. Them. Okay, we get it. See, as Warren Wiersbe said, it was a vivid object lesson to this Christ-rejecting crowd. That listen, I love this. To Satan, a pig is as good as a man. Well, that'll preach. See, to Satan, a pig is as good as a man. In fact, Satan will make a man into a pig. That'll preach too. Satan will make a man into a pig. The Lord was warning the citizens against the, pow the powers of sin and Satan. It was a dramatic sermon before their very eyes. The wages of sin is death. Okay? I, I can't say any better. See, you, you think Satan cares for people? He desires destruction. Always has, always will. Okay? He is our enemy. Amen? He is our enemy. And just like the lion, he ain't just trying to bite off a tub. He's trying to eat the whole thing. Okay? He don't care about you. And again, I say it again. Yes, sin is fun. It's fun for a time, but it will destroy. It will lead to death. But Jesus shows up and he shows out. Amen? He represents because he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. So kind of the last little comment I have for each little section here is this, if you're writing notes. So ultimately, this begging, what does this begging show? We're going to look at that each time. Okay? Two more points after this one, and I'll get y'all out by 1 o'clock. All right, just playing. All right. So... Ultimately, this begging shows the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is in control. Even, a, a, even against a, a man filled with a bunch of demons, thousands of them. It doesn't matter. Jesus is still in control. And see, the demons had to beg him for permission. But that's not the only one that, that begs in this passage. So again, if you're taking notes, in this passage we see that the evil spirits beg Jesus and next the people beg Jesus to leave. And then the healed man begged Jesus to stay. So go with me to verse 14, Mark chapter 5. Am I going too fast? Are we good? Everybody good? Tracking? Okay. All right. The people in the matching in the pink and peach. 
I messed up with my colors earlier today. All right. I'm a man. I can't see colors very well. All right. I thought it looked good to me. I thought y'all were matching me. All right. Um, Mark chapter 5, verse 14. The men who tended, who tended them, listen, the men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town in the countryside. And people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed that a bunch of them knew terrorized their neighborhood, okay, sitting there dressed, because he run around naked all the time before, dressed and in his right mind. I got to pause there. If I'm seeing that, I think, I hope that I would be like, praise God. But I might have been like the people who said, and they were afraid. All right. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their reason. See, this is the amen or owe me section. Right? Number two, people begged Jesus to leave. Why? Why, why did the people beg Jesus to leave? I think there's a, a few possible reasons here. Okay, and uh, that I think that you'll agree, that I think you'll, you'll see where I'm coming from. Okay, three possible reasons. Fear, ignorance, selfishness. Okay, fear. Let's look at that. Fear. This powerful person scares him more than a demoniac. Okay. Let me say it again. This powerful person scares him more than a demoniac. See, I, th I, think, I think this will preach. See, keep in mind that this was a similar reaction to the end of chapter 4. Okay, which again I messed up last week because of you know being sick. But uh, let's I'm gonna let me read to you the end of chapter four, verse forty one. After Jesus calmed the storm. So he calms the storm and it says this, and they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Jesus calms the sea and they're afraid. See it's, it's a similar a similar thing there. In fact, uh, I almost entitled this message The Day That Jesus Was Scared and a Bunch of Demons. That was almost my message today, uh, title for that. Okay? And, and I almost used the following central statement. When Jesus rolls in and represents, some people reject Jesus and some revere him. That'll preach too, right, Amen? Right, right, Brother Tom? See, people fear that they will lose all control of their lives or that God will send them to Asia or something. If I give my life to Christ. Basically, I believe people fear that Christ will disrupt their lives. And guess what? He will. Amen. See, see, when Jesus shows up, he changes things. He changes things, and that's to his glory. Amen. You, you're in the house this morning who have, who have been changed. You can testify hallelujah. I'm glad I'm not the same person I was. You, you wouldn't have liked me very much before I got saved. Okay? Like the Hulk, you know, David Banner. You, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Uh, you wouldn't have liked me very much before I gave my life to Christ. Amen. See, ultimately, I, I feel like people are afraid of losing comfort. You know, uh, we like things comfortable. Uh, we, we, we love that. We love our comfortable little lives. And that reminds me of the C.S. Lewis quote that I've, I've, uh, I've mentioned several times uh, from, the, from the pulpit here. And i got to read it. i got to tell you again because it's, it's just, I love it. it says, uh, he says, We are half-hearted creatures. We're fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an excuse me, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. And he ends this by saying, we are far too easily pleased. When Jesus Christ offers love, everlasting love and joy and peace, 
and we want to we want to make mud pies instead. We love making mud pies in the slum. Ignorance. Second reason why I feel like uh, why I think that you could we could possibly see uh, that they they begged Jesus to leave. Ignorance. Um, they didn't understand this powerful person before them, and, and and isn't that human nature? I mean, they just don't understand. How did this man Jesus uh, do that to the demoniac? You know, um, maybe maybe their superstitions were shattered. Uh, they didn't really know what to do with it. Right by the time he like, wait, what? This same man who's running around like crazy, like it blows your mind, right? Uh, especially for somebody like me who doesn't have much one, you know. And, and it's like I don't I don't understand this, like. I don't know what to do with that. They had a hard time accepting this. And I, I, it's like, and I wrote this this morning, we have a tendency to avoid what we don't understand, right? We run away from that. I don't understand that. I don't know about that. So I'm going to walk away. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. See, it appears that some, some people just don't know about this Jesus guy. That, you know, maybe it's these days, and they heard horror stories about churches splitting over the color of carpet. Or, or, or how those so-called Christians... Stealing time at a company, being lazy or whatever, whatever it may be. A bunch of hypocrites, right? You've heard it. Tell me you've heard it. Everybody here has heard that. Well, I'm going to go to that church. That's full of a bunch of hypocrites. You know, and I, I love what the old preacher used to say. Well, just go ahead and come on and join us. One more won't hurt, which I love. Because right? in one, one way, we're all that way, right? See, unchurched people use what they've heard, and, and that's it. They stereotype, and they say all people are that way. But while I, I see the part about what I just said, let's be honest, the, the local church is not without fault here. You know, we haven't always done great. You know, we, we messed up a time or two. Okay? But I want to remind everyone here that the church is really not a house of saints, but a hospital of sinners. Hospital of sinners. We have to tell them about this Jesus. We have to stop sending them mixed messages. Number three, for reasons why I think the people ask Beg Jesus to leave. Selfishness. Seems like they care more about the loss of money from the pigs. Right? I see you nodding your head. I, I think this may be the most prevalent. We're, we're selfish. We're born that way. Oh, those babies are cute. All right? And we love them and they're adorable and they're, they're precious little sinners, though. Right? As they, get old, as they grow up. Mine, 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 mine. Y'all get it? See, maybe, maybe they were concerned about loss of assets. I, you know, some war, I believe, Tony Evans says, notice that their livelihood was more important to them than a human being delivered from demonic oppression. They, they valued the material over the spiritual. So, so back to the passage. So the men who tended the sheep went and told others in this town about what had happened, which this will preach as well if we have time. And then when Jesus shows up, word spreads, and the people beg Jesus to leave anyway. And he left, right by the time, beyond their request. That'll preach too, right? See, I've heard many say uh, times before, Jesus won't stay where he isn't welcome. Is he welcome? Who would I preach? Jesus won't stay where he ain't welcome. Is he welcome in Calvary Baptist Church? I believe he is. And I'm thankful for that. So, if you're writing notes today, what does this begging show? Before we go to the last one. Ultimately, this begging shows the sinfulness of mankind. The sinfulness of mankind. So the demons beg Jesus not to send them out to man and to send them to the pigs. And then the people beg Jesus to leave them. And that's not all. The healed man begged to stay with Jesus. Let's look at that. Verses 18 through 20. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him 
earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Listen, verse 20. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. See, the, the healed man begged to stay with Jesus. Why? Why, why did this man beg to stay with Jesus? Because I believe his conversion was real. His conversion was real. He, he wanted to know, to know more about this Jesus. In fact, uh, I, I think this man is a picture of a true disciple of Christ. And yeah, there's, there's more, to, more to it when you give your life to Christ. Yeah, you, you come to church and you, know, and you give money and, you, you know, and you, all these things. But I think you know, there are three things we can see about what a true disciple of Christ does because this man does it. Number one, he wanted to spend time with Jesus. Number two, he obeyed Jesus. Number three, he told others about Jesus. I mean, th those are three things that we, thought we want all disciples of Christ to do, right? right? To, we, to spend time with the Lord, to obey Him, and to tell others about Him. That's what the man does. And whenever one is truly and sincerely converted, these things will be evident in, a per in that person's life. And I have a, a, another why. Why did, why did Jesus say? Why did he say no to his request to stay with him? I, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I'm not God. I don't have an answer to that one. Right? Sometimes you know, the timing's not right. You know, and Sally and I mentioned this. I mentioned this from the pulpit. I don't understand why I didn't work go work for SCA in Savannah years ago, and why they said no. In fact, I had a, a former classmate. I mean, a, a classmate of mine yesterday who was confused about that. You know what you mean, Pastor? You mean they said no? I said, yeah, they, they said no. He can believe. He was like, what? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why, but God has a purpose. Well, shortly after that, Calvary came about. Right after that, so God has a reason. So this man, again, again, was to tell others in that area about Jesus and what Jesus had done for him. I love how James Edwards says it in the Gospel of Mark. The healed demoniac becomes the first missionary preacher sent out by Jesus. Remarkably, he is a Gentile sent to Gentiles. He's a man running around crazy, right, doing crazy things and filled with demons. And now he's, a, he's, he's sharing the gospel with people there. See, ultimately, this begging shows the sincere spirit of the true disciple of Christ. So we've seen people beg today, amen? Right, and, and the conclusion is this. See, we see different people, different groups of people begging in today's passage. Can you relate to any of them? Can you relate? Can you... The evil spirits beg Jesus, you know, uh, to, to leave them and uh, go to the pigs. Well, that shows that that Christ is in control. Again, just wrapping that, you know, just kind of wrap it up today. That that shows the sovereignty of Christ. Right? That while they were unified and they were ready to fight, they couldn't handle Christ. Amen. And then the second group of people, can you relate to them? The people begging Jesus to leave, and and, and this shows man's simpleness. And it could also be that maybe you just relate to that because there's an area in your life that you're like you're scared to give to God, right? I'm scared to give that control uh, to God in that. Trust Him, trust Him. Or maybe you're the healed man begging Jesus to stay. And it shows a sincere spirit of a true disciple. Hopefully that is you today. Hopefully that's everybody. But you know it's okay if it's if it, if it's not. All right, because we're so we're simple, right? and, and you may be uh, where you just you know you you need some help. You need prayer. 
Now, we don't have it all figured out, right, Brother Tommy? Right? The, old, the old saying is that I've heard people say that the, that the church, the people that go to church in the South don't have any problems. That's not true. Right? And we, we're nice and we say, how's it going, brother? Oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine when it's not. Okay? Uh, may, it's, may this be a place where it's okay not to be okay. Right? And we still keep going to God. Amen? And so, are you spending time with God? And if you have been changed, like this man today, are you spending time with God? Are you obeying God? Are you telling others about Him? May, may we do just that as we ask Sally to come up. I have one more comment. Y'all have heard this comment before, but it's, to me it goes perfectly with today's message. And that is a quote that D.T. Niles said. We talk about begging today, right? And well, remember what D.T. Niles said, and some of y'all will be like, oh, I remember you saying that. I've heard it said before. Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. Right? May we be that beggar today, and we're telling other beggars where to find bread. I know we can find true bread right? that will satisfy us, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right? Thank y'all. Love you guys. Thank y'all for being here. Ask Sally to come up and lead us.